let's break it down. That's right, everybody. We're back. It's Lemmings coming to you with episode number six of the Let's Break It Down podcast. And uh, I got my man, Jay Will. He's here with me. How you doing today, man? Doing a lot better after that Duke game, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Heard it came down to a nail biter. It certainly did. They give me a heart attack every now and then, but I'll sleep easy tonight. Well, hopefully we'll have some sweet nail biter matches coming up this week. Yes, sir. Let's let's hope all of them are nail biters, honestly. That's right. Super stoked. The Overwatch League begins this week. Valentine's Day, huge mistake. Still <laughs> not thanking Blizzard on that one. No, certainly not. But yep, this Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Let's get it going. Hey, yo. All right. Uh, definitely want to make sure you guys are subscribing to the podcast to get, get our episodes as soon as they hit. Uh, make sure you can follow us on Twitter at BreakItDownOWL. Uh, you can follow Brian at JWill2287. You can find us on Instagram at BreakItDownOWL. And as always, we want to hear your questions, comments, and feedback. And you can uh, email that to us, BreakItDownOWL at gmail.com. In this episode, we're going to be getting into some power rankings. I'll give you a hint. At least one team is over 9,000. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, after we look at the power rankings, um, there was a community community countdown past week. And uh, so there were scrimmages, a lot of fun matches going on. So we're going to react to those a little bit. And then we're going to do our best to preview week one. Yes, sir. Let's get into it. I've got you on my radar. That's right. Fair's got some big stuff on her radar Today, we're going to bring you some pretty breaking news, actually. Gamsu, a main tank for the Boston Uprising, has been traded to the Shanghai Dragons. And this news comes after the Dragons announced that Fearless was going to be taking a leave of absence from the team. Not going to lie, I'm still not sure what Boston's doing. <laughs> uh, I don't think too many people know what Boston's doing. The only real thing that anybody knows is that this is to free up a spot for Fusions, who I'm assuming they really just wanted to put on the roster. Albeit, you know, Shanghai was down a main tank, so they needed one. But I guess... Boston felt very comfortable bringing up fusions that they were willing to let go of Gamzu and not continue his his time with Boston. Yeah, just at this point, I just have to assume that Boston had just supreme confidence in its contenders teams, uh, the Uprising Academy. Just really liked the talent they had on there and really wanted to bring it up to the Overwatch League because I, it's the only real way I can kind of try to make sense of their roster overhaul after a relatively successful season one. I think they're I think they're being honest with themselves though cuz you take out that 10 and 0 stage 3 and they weren't probably making the playoffs to be perfectly honest. So that that 10 and 0 carried them. They were not good in stage 4 and that showed up in in the playoffs. They got pretty much wiped out quickly. Um so I think they're taking an honest evaluation to say, "Hey, we had that one incredible stage, but we were not as good as we think we are." Basically, so let's get some of our younger talent here sooner rather than later. Let's try to improve. Even though we did have a successful season with no expectations, we understand that we kind of lucked into that a little bit. You didn't luck into it in terms of, you know, the other team played poorly or whatnot because your 10-0 was all on you. 
But at the end of the day, you, you lucked into it in terms of you had three really subpar stages that would not have gotten you into the playoffs in one spectacular one. Yeah, but arguably that's still a roster that did did take you to a 10 and 0 stage, and that doesn't happen completely by accident. So I don't know. I'm not sure it's worth a complete or the overhaul to the level at which they're going to. It's probably not worth the level they're going to, but you also have to remember this was a dive roster. That was that was what got them to 10 and 0 in stage three was their dive capabilities and being unstoppable within that. Once the meta changed, they had to adapt with it, and I don't think they necessarily had that with the roster as it was constructed. Along with this, as you kind of mentioned earlier, Fusions gets called up from Uprising Academy to come to Boston Uprising. Um, He's coming in on a two-way contract. Kind of an interesting note in the uh, press release from Boston on the two-way, con- at least Fusion's two-way contract, if he appears in more than two Overwatch League matches, he actually loses his contender's eligibility. I think that's an interesting note, and I'm not, I'm not a fan of it, per se. Not that I foresee too many people going up and down between contenders and Overwatch League. Why would you limit it to, say, once two matches are over, you're stuck up here at Overwatch League? My only thought is that fusions wanted it that way because that meant he couldn't go back down after playing a couple matches and he would have a full-time roster spot at over at the overwatch league level so kudos to him if he did that uh, he's going to be he's going to be there the rest of the season anyway you just traded your main tank you need him so there's no worries to even really fret about it yeah i mean i was trying to think about it from from both sides here um or we're kind of from from his perspective was that an incentive to the boston uprising or was he kind of shooting himself in the foot so if, if it's an incentive to Boston Uprising, he's saying, look, bring me up to Overwatch League, put me in for a couple, you have to put me in for several matches because you don't have another tank, and then I'm losing my contender's eligibility. So you can either throw away the talent completely if you want to you know, move on from me, or you're going to have to keep me in the lineup and, and we'll figure out how to use it. Or potentially is he shooting himself in the foot by saying, by putting this clause in there and, you know, he gets called up and he doesn't work out for whatever reason, doesn't fit on the team, isn't skilled enough to be at the level, just can't compete on the stage. Then he's lost both, you know, gets brought down from Overwatch League and has lost his contenders eligibility. So where does he go from there? It's a great, great point. Great question. My assumption is he's hoping to get signed as a free agent by somebody else if that ever did happen. But I think I think you were on the kind of the right track where if he does get called up and he wants to stay up there, he's only got to make it two games. At the same rate, the team can say, okay, if we call him up before two games, we've got to keep him. Or for two whole games, we have to keep him. So let's not call him up unless we absolutely have to. And this became a situation where they absolutely had to. So it kind of makes sense from both sides when you look at it that way. All right. So definitely a lot of talk about Boston. Um, what do you think this does to the Shanghai Dragons? <sighs> That's a really good question because who knows how long Fearless, Fearless is going to be gone. It was just a leave of absence that doesn't tell us anything. There's no details, no information in regards to that. You just assume that Gamsu is going to start the rest of the way, and if Fearless comes back, they'll have to rotate some. Uh, Gamsu is a, spe- uh, a good tank, a good, really good main tank. I don't think this is going to hurt them. I don't think it's really going to have too much effect on them. I think they're going to be kind of what they were even with Fearless in, so I think they'll be just fine. I just don't think it moves them, moves the needle for them one way or the other. This is more of a complete uh, even switch. You know what you have in Gamsu, or at least you knew what you had when he was on Boston Uprising. So, And it's all about whether or not he can become a part of the team rather quickly. I mean, this is he was traded today, three days away from their first match. Um, uh, actually, well, for no, it's two days away. For, yeah, two, for yeah you're right, two days. They both play opening night. 
yeah, a bit of an upgrade for me from my perspective for the Shanghai Dragons. All right, and then in a little bit more sad news, maybe Blizzard, Activision Blizzard is kind of going through going through a lot of overhaul just in in the actual company itself. Um, we've talked a little bit about some of the executive shifts that have been happening. Um, it seems like some of that's boiling down into the actual employee ranks, and they're expected to be getting rid of close to 800 employees coming up. Yes, close to 800 employees. I think that process is starting today. Uh, that's not a small number by any means. They're really trimming, quote-unquote, trimming the fat uh, out of their overhead would be my assumption because I know they brought in new people and kind of the whole thing was to rein in the budget. Obviously, they didn't continue with the Heroes of the Storm esports and they've dropped off of some other things. Bungie's gone off and taken Destiny away. It, it's just more, this is in my opinion, more of a business budget type move than anything else. Hopefully it doesn't have any effect on Overwatch or anything related to Overwatch League long term. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. I think the health of the league is fine. It's just a question of how much, I guess, Activision and Blizzard stay involved in it long term as it continues to grow. Yeah, I think, I mean, in reading the article, it definitely looks like it was expected that it was going to be largely in the marketing um you know, financial operations of the company, not necessarily in the development. I know if you're looking at the the Blizzard launcher, uh, Overwatch is actually hiring engineers. They've got a little add-on there for bringing in new talent there. So, you know, again, according to the article, the new uh, CFO, I think it was, is pushing Blizzard to release more games, uh, more IP, probably not in the engineering divisions of successful games. You hate to see it. You do hate to see it, but like you said... The, the, the cuts were outside of game development and stuff like that. And like you said, they're pushing to release more games. I think when they brought the new guy in, he even mentioned like the last game we put out was Overwatch. So we got to do better in that regard. <laughs> All right, now it's time to play a game. The Let's Break It Down Power Rankings, where the numbers are made up and the points don't matter. Except to me and you, because there will be a winner <laughs> and there will be a loser. There's always a winner and there's always a loser. <laughs> I'm kind of excited to do some power rankings, just give our perspective of what we what we think the team and the, the league looks like from a hierarchy standpoint. Obviously, this will change once we get some matches under our belts, uh, and it'll change throughout the year, but I, I look forward to doing more of these for sure. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to do the, we're going to have to keep this as is and do the, the end of season comparison. How, yes. how wrong were we? Yes, how wrong <laughs> were we? How, how bad was it? <laughs> anyway, let's jump into it, man. Absolutely. So what we did, uh, Brian and I did our own rankings kind of independently, you know, trying to look at the research, take in other people's opinions and things and uh, look at the research that we've done, come up with our with our attempt at it. And what we're going to be going through is the consensus between us. So when you take up both of our rankings, put them together, we kind of come up with that average. This is what we're seeing coming in at number 20 are the Chengdu Hunters. Yeah, I can't say there's too much expected out of them from me. In their inaugural season, I think they might surprise. I don't see them being in the playoffs personally, but they're they may or may not be the worst team in the league. I think there's a couple that are competing for that. So, I think 20, 19, and eighteen are going to be a little arbitrary right now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I had them coming in at number twenty. Um, just kind of been going going looking at their roster. Didn't have a whole lot of confidence in it. Uh, you have them at 17, and it just kind of the way it boiled down was having them at 20. Coming in at 19, we've got the Florida Mayhem. Yeah, complete roster overhaul. Uh, this is more of a wait-and-see thing. I still don't think their roster is very strong from top to bottom. 
it's just going to be a more of a wait and see, but I don't see them finishing too well again this year, especially with all the new players who are going to have to get adjusted and figure out how to play against this top level competition. Yeah. Next one up we got at 18, we've got the Washington justice. I have them at 16. You have them at 20. Yeah. I actually have them at 20. Some of that's based off their schedule. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not friendly. (laughs) Yeah. Tough schedule going through the Atlantic region for sure. I have a little bit of hope. They brought in mentorship at each kind of level in their team and they obviously brought in that the nyxl coach i have faith that he can he can squeeze out some wins for him yeah definitely wizard is going to do some some good things with them and i do like the the signing of Jonas to kind of lead the brigade there i just from top to bottom their roster is not very strong you have question marks about some of the people they brought in i mean they have a guy who didn't even play contenders so how how quickly can you adjust to this level of talent and then you just the schedule is just not friendly and I can't see that being a a positive for them in terms of getting them off on the right foot and then letting them progress throughout the season as they go. All right. And coming in at 17, I've got them at 18. You've got them at 15. It's last year's bottom of the barrel, the Shanghai Dragons. I actually think I'm low on them personally. I really yeah. do. I, I like the overhaul. They've gone ahead and tried to clean up some of the language barrier issues they had. If I remember correctly, they've gotten a, a Korean roster now. So some of the language problems they have shouldn't be a problem. They should gel a little better. Like we just talked about, they lost Fearless and are bringing in Gamsu to replace. So that's going to be a hurdle they have to get over early. I don't, I don't know that they're going to get that first win as quickly as some would hope. But over the course of the season, I actually have some, some pretty decent expectations for them. Obviously, compared to last year, anything's decent. Interesting. I, you know, the complete riser overhaul. I don't know how much they overhauled their talent evaluators. So, I, you know, for me, it's just kind of a wait and see, but I don't know that they made that many improvements. So we'll see. I think some. I think they'll surprise a lot of people personally. All right. Coming in at 16, I've got them at 14. You've got them at 16. The Guangzhou Charge. Yeah, another expansion team. Obviously, a lot of unknown. I think their roster's decent. I don't think it's going to be a world beater by any means. They've got some mixed languages that they're going to have to deal with. It's another roster we're going to have to wait and feel out, but I think they do have some talent there to work with and build on going forward. It may not happen and may not develop this season, but pot potentially going into next season. Yeah, I mean, I gave them 14 just because I like the color scheme. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I mean, again, it's, you know, as we've been going through this, we've I've recognized how hard it is to go um, and evaluate these expansion teams. You can watch a lot of contenders leave, but you know, you never know how that stuff's going to translate up. Just ask the NFL how draft picks pan out. Take a look at how many major league, minor league uh, baseball players have, have burned out in the majors. So it's really hard to kind of to gauge that. So this is my best stab at where I think they're going to be. Yeah, that's fair. All right, up next, how the mighty have fallen. Mm-hmm. I have them at 12. You have them at 18 for a combined 15. I had them I had them potentially going lower than 18, just to <laughs> put it out the, there. Keep, keep the snowball going, right? Yes. I actually had to lower them after the news of Gamsu being traded came out. This is just a completely new roster. You've lost your DPS. Aren't they down a DPS going into week one for crying out loud? Yeah, they have a DPS suspended, which I, as far as I can tell, they haven't filled that slot. So Right. So, I mean, you have a lot of things going against you, and you you basically either said goodbye or traded away your, almost your entire roster from last year. I think this team is, is going the wrong direction and rapidly. 
Yeah, I'm definitely with you. I don't know if I can put them all the way back down to 18. I mean, I think you get at least a couple of points for me from having some experience in season one. Obviously, they have a lot of faith in their contenders division teams that they they pulled up. You know, I don't know that they'd be making these moves if they didn't feel like they had the talent to replace them. You know, I'm, I'm giving them the tumble for the roster overall, but I can't send them all the way to the bottom. And that's fair. And that's completely fair. Maybe they do like their their younger talent. Maybe their younger talent is going to be good. They are coming in with higher expectations though this year based off of literally one stage last year. They went 10-0, and 0, stage three, and now you've overhauled the roster. It makes everybody scratch their head. Everybody responding to the trade of Gamzu today is scratching their head like, what the heck is going on? We don't understand this. And if there was any sort of lottery draft, you'd assume they were tanking this year. That's That's how bad you would assume they wanted to get that first pick that they've just said, we're trading everybody away. Like we're not signing you. We just, we want this next up and coming talent, but that's not how it works in overwatch league. So you're kind of stuck scratching your head asking what is the long-term plan here? Or even what is the short-term plan at a certain level? All right. Coming in at a consensus 14. This is our biggest disparity by a long shot. Oh yeah. Um, I have the Hangzhou spark coming in at 19. Brian, you got him at seven. Yeah, dude, you're you're underselling Gushway. <laughs> okay, you're, you're absolutely underselling Gushway. This is this is a team that is talented, deep, flexible. They're going to have the ability to play with the top top tier teams. They're going to compete for that specific division championship this year. All right, when you see Gushway as Winston in the middle of the enemy team with no support, completely overextended, I'm going to hit you up on that disparity right there. <laughs> he doesn't need the support. <laughs> He's just going to do it. He needs some support. You need support. <laughs> no, I, no, I think I, the roster is good all the way around. I, it's not just Gooshway. I think they have a lot of talent to work with, and I think they're going to surprise a lot of people, even though they're not really sneaking up on a lot of people with that color scheme. Yeah, I think um, for me personally, they lost a couple of ranks for the Pepto-Bismol. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I can't, I That's how subjective we are, baby. Uh, <laughs> Savage. <laughs> Savage on the color schemes, man. Hey, look, anybody that plays video games knows that it's it's at least 80% about looks. Absolutely. That's why we have skins. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, coming in at consensus 13. I have them at 11. You have them at 14. We got the Atlanta Reign. Not not too many expectations. Their roster is going to be decent. They're, they're going to be competitive, but I don't think they're going to win a ton. They'll have some, some moments that'll make you say this team isn't headed in the right direction. But other than that, the inexperience is going to catch up to them. Yeah, I mean, they lost a couple of ownership points, a couple of color scheme points for me. Um, that brought them, brought them down a little bit. I have a little bit of faith that they're going to be able to pull off some sweet, some sweet, sweet wins. But again, they do have that tough schedule, kind of trying to trudge through the Atlantic region. Or I'm sorry, Atlantic division. All right, coming in at consensus 12. Uh, I have you, you obviously have higher expectations for improvement than I do. You've got them at 8. I've got them at 15. It's the San Francisco Shock. Yes, I have big expectations for them. If you're going to put five DPS on the roster, you better perform. <laughs> yeah, pretty good DPS too, certainly. So I think, you know, for me, question marks in the support and tank divisions. Definitely plenty of question marks there, but they have quite a bit of talent on that DPS line. And they were playing so, so well late last year, in my opinion. Even though they weren't winning, they were just, they looked so much better. It was light years different from what they were early in season one. I think they, they make the jump. I really do. I think this team is poised to to be competitive and be competitive with those playoff teams from last year yeah i mean it'll be great to see him with a full roster from the start of the season uh not waiting on two dps to show up and they were obviously better once they did so yeah i can definitely see improvement definitely 
All right, coming in at consensus 11. I've got him at 10. You've got him at 13, the Toronto Defiant. Yeah, another another expansion team. Obviously, there are eight of them. I don't think too many people have high expectations of them, personally. I think they'll be better than people are expecting, though. It's really just kind of where I'm at with it. I think they've got some some quality additions from contenders and team players that were on uh, Overwatch League benches from last year. I think that'll work in their favor going into their inaugural season to where they can fall right about the middle of the pack. Um, obviously, I have them kind of squarely in the middle of the league. I think that's a pretty, pretty fair spot for their roster, but it, it'll be interesting to see how it all gels. It will be. All right, so now we get to break into the top 10. I've got them actually, now that I'm looking at it, I think a little bit low for a Pacific division that I don't expect to be incredibly strong again. But coming in at our 10, uh, you've got them at 9, and I've got them at 13. It's the Dallas Fuel. Team coming on, coming with a lot of momentum in the season, too. Uh, not too many changes to their overall roster from last year, and they were playing better down the stretch. The additions of Rick and Zach are going to be are going to be pluses for them. I just think that the meta change benefited them. Obviously getting rid of the the dead weight from last year is certainly going to help <laughs> them. I'm being polite and I just I feel like this was a team that just took a huge step forward that now they know who they want to be, they know how they want to play and they know that they can play at the level they expected to from the beginning of last season. Yeah, I mean, you lose the XQC drama off the bat. Hopefully you can come together as a team a lot quicker in the season. As you said, good additions and I think some improvement. Definitely. There's plenty of improvement on this roster. I have some pretty high expectations of them going into stage one. So we'll see if that pans out. But I think they're going to be a much, much better team than they looked like last year. All right, coming in number nine, we've got the Soul Dynasty. I've got them at nine. You've got them at 12. Yeah, this is just kind of a team I'm not really sure about, to be perfectly honest. Um, while they, we know that they're talented, while we know they have Fleta and they've got uh, Jay Hong still, you just, you kind of scratch your head after how they finished. And I'm not sure how to best interpret them going into this year is the only way I can explain it. I still think they're going to be good. I just don't know if they're going to be able to reach the level that they started the year at. They, they have you know, they brought in Fisher. They've got Marvel in now, so they've got some new tanks. I think it will all work in the end, and I think this may be a team we're talking about come playoff time. But as it stands right now, I'm just a little uneasy about them, and it's mainly because I never felt like they adjusted to the new meta. Yeah, I think second half Soul Dynasty from Season 1 is more indicative of the Soul Dynasty that, that actually exists. I do like the additions of Fisher and Marvel. Certainly, I thought their tanking core could use some work. Um because you did have Flutter and Munchkin pulling in some some good DPS. I've got them down a little bit from where they were in Season 1. And I also think that the Pacific Division is not going to be quite the cakewalk that it was. So you're going to see those teams a little bit more. Some of those expansion teams are going to get some games off you. So we'll be we'll see if, if that's true. Absolutely. All right, coming in number 8, we've got the Paris Eternal. I've got them at 8, and you've got them at 10. Yeah, I honestly, I don't know too much about the roster, but when you tell me you have Soon and Shadowburn on your roster and Damon is now your head coach, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Like, I really am. I think that's enough to, to warrant a, a top 10 ranking, which I gave them, and obviously you gave them as well. I think they'll be very, very under the radar most of the year, but better than people are expecting. Yeah, I think so. I think we saw teams kind of do 
two different things. Um, they either tried to go after some veteran players from season one. Sorry, we think we saw the expansion teams do kind of two different things. We either saw them pursue some veteran talent or kind of bring up um, Overwatch contenders, either an entire roster or a good amalgamation of a roster, you know, bringing in a core of a team, of a tanking team or something like that. I think of all the teams that kind of went after some veteran players, I think Paris Eternal came out really good. Uh, you got Finzi and Soon, who both played on Los Angeles Valiant. Uh, and you've got Shadowburn, who is an incredible DPS player. So you've got a really good DPS core um, to back up, hopefully, hopefully a contender's tanking and support core that's going to be able to perform for them. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to get those contender guys up to speed. But like I said, with those two DPS, I think they're in good hands. All right. Up next, we've got what I anticipate to be one of the more contentious rankings. I just, I can't with you. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so coming in at number seven, it's High Noon. That's right. Like, we got the Houston high. Outlaws. Oh my goodness, man. I can't believe you're doing this to me. You have them at three. Do you understand how many teams that puts them over? How many good teams that puts them over? I I have high expectations of them as a fan because I think they underperformed last year, but I still don't think they're better than middle of the pack when you look at their roster top to bottom. I'm trying to figure out what you're looking at. For the Houston Outlaws, they were one of the teams that I was watching last year that really just felt like a team. I don't know, when you watch them play... They were playing together as a team, and I really felt like coaching decisions and misplays led to a lot of their losses. I think if you look at a lot of their matches, a lot of them were close. A lot of them were contended. Three twos. You know, they took some pretty good teams to fifth games last season. So I think they cleaned up the coaching issues, and I'm hoping that they're, that's going to lead to not those weird and strange starts in the matches. And they returned almost the exact roster with the addition of a player that I think that they needed. Um, a dedicated tracer player. So I think overall, a lot of improvement, and I'm hoping that, that improvement kind of flips a lot of those three twos uh, in their favor, which leads to, for me, a top three outcome. I, I think I think you're on something. I, <laughs> I, I hope, I, if you're right, I will be extremely ecstatic. I'm trying to just be realistic and not be a fan at that point. I, I just, I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they'll be in that, six to 12 range though unfortunately like that's where i'm at with it i just i can't i couldn't put them in the top three there's no way all right all right that's my hot take then that'll be my hot take <laughs> all right moving on we got number six the vancouver titans uh, i've got them at seven you've got them at six yeah I'm, sur- I'm a little surprised we're fairly even on this one i didn't know where you'd go with it but i mean they brought in the whole runaway roster and that team is good that team is is going to be competitive from the onset I think some people actually have them winning the Pacific Division outright this year. So out of the two expansion teams, the best chances to go far this year, you're looking at the Spark and the Titans. So those are certainly going to be two teams to keep an eye on, but that roster's good. Yeah, I've probably got um, Paris and Vancouver as probably my top expansion teams, but I get it. Yeah, just looking at, at what Runaway's been able to do in the Overwatch Contenders League. Uh, I really feel like bringing over that whole roster was really smart. And so I think the Vancouver Titans are going to have a good chance to hit the ground running and not have to go through, I think, what a lot of these other teams are going to have to go through, which is language barriers, overcoming, um, and just coming together as a team, which we saw really important to a lot of these teams last year. Yeah, the only thing they have to do is adjust to the Overwatch League schedule. That's it. So as long as they can adapt to that quickly, they're going to be in good shape. All right, up next at... uh, this is pretty cool. Consensus five. You've got them at five. 
and I've got him at five. <laughs> the only thing we agree on, minus yeah. the top two, I guess. Yeah, this one was actually pretty tough for me. I think the Valiant, um, you lose soon. Finzi really kind of rode your bench, so it wasn't a huge loss. You bring in the right players to replace that, so I think you should be about where you were last year, maybe a, maybe a couple points down, just because I really do think soon was pretty was a high quality DPS. I think losing soon hurts more than people will realize, but more importantly, I don't think they did anything to improve their roster and take that next step. While yeah. teams around them did things to get better and improve their overall roster in certain areas, I just didn't feel like the Valiant did that. Are they still going to be one of the top five teams? I personally believe so, yes. But they didn't do enough to, to warrant me going anywhere above that. You know, it They're going to kind of be what we saw last year, in my opinion. Like it, It's still good. It's just they didn't improve enough to, to warrant jumping into the top four. All right, up next at number four, we've got the Los Angeles Gladiators. I've got them at six. You've got them at three. Yeah, I think I think this roster has improved over last year. I actually really enjoy their DPS line. Their supports are strong. I think this is a roster poised to make a serious run at dethroning the, the Spitfire. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, certainly, um, you know, is the second half of the season what, you know, in, indicative of, of this team and what they're going to be able to do on the return? I like what you said. Um, I don't have them quite as high just because, I, you know, obviously moving up the Outlaws kind of takes it over for me, and I've got the Valiant up there. But, um, no, I they've got a shot. They've they got certainly a shot. have a shot. They've got one of the best DPS in the game. They've got Surefor. You pair that with Hydration and or Decay, who is also very good in his own right. And their DPS line is strong. They've added Roar to fill in the the spot from Fissure. They've got Bishu, Panker, and Void as tanks. I just I like their tank depth. I like their supports with Big Goose Shaz and Ripa. Their DPSs are some of the better ones in the league. It's just a team that I think has all the right pieces right now to make a run. It's just a question of will it come together this year. Shields up. It's time for the top three. Yes, sir. Let's get into our top three. Shouldn't be too many mysteries to people. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but coming in at number three, I, I've got them at four. You've got them at four. It's just the way it all boiled down. But the Philadelphia Fusion. The Philly Fusion, a team, again, that I was not high on last year and that kind of snuck into the playoffs because they only made one stage playoffs. They they were average throughout most of the year, snuck into the playoffs, and then went on a run I think they were better than their record actually was the indicating through three of the four stages when they didn't make the, the stage playoffs. They've got one of the better tank lines, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, absolutely. When you're pairing Poco with Fraggy and Sato, I think those are three incredibly strong tanks. You have Carpe who can carry you as far as you want to be carried when he's, when he's on. When he's on, you just get out of the way. Uh, and then I think they have solid supports between Boombox, Neptuno, and Elk. Uh, Boombox and Neptuno being the two more predominant ones. Their supports are, are very steady, would be the best way to describe it. So I think their overall standing in the league should be better this year than it was. I don't think they're going to sneak up on anyone or into the playoffs this year. I think they're just going to be squarely in it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the big question is, did they put the right pieces around Carpe? Do they have, um, you know, we talk about this in football a lot. If you have a wide receiver one, you need to have a quality wide receiver two to at least attempt to draw attention away from them. 
And so this would be kind of the same thing. Do they have the pieces in place um, around Carpe to enable him to be a six, the most successful? So they have a great tank line to give him the space to do something. Do they have other DPS pieces that draw attention that allow him some maneuverability? Absolutely. You're not wrong about that. And the other question I have is, are EQO and or, and or Snillo going to step up and become that, that second strong DPS, DPS player? To accompany Carpe to to be that addition, that just sidekick for a lack of a better term, honestly, to Carpe to where people have to start worrying about that that other DPS player and not just Carpe. All right, dun, 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 dun. number two, it's the London Spitfire. I've got him at two. You got him at two. Yeah, at two. this was it wasn't necessarily tough for me, but it did it did eat at me a little bit to not put them at one. Mainly because they did win the league last year, so you want to respect that. And their roster is so good, top to bottom. They underperformed by all standards last year during the regular season yeah. for what they could and should have done. But at the end of the day, I just I didn't feel like they were the best team in the league coming into the year, even with being the defending champions. I mean, their roster's thin right now. You're running two tanks, three supports, three... Uh, DPS, you still have Prophet and Bird Ring who can go crazy at any moment. Bedotion's strong. Nuss is consistent and solid. And Fury and Gesture are two of the better tanks in the league who don't get enough respect. So, I mean, they're just, they wear you down with their, their consistency. I just, there's another team that's consistent and has more talent? Question mark? <laughs> like, that's kind of how I feel about it. So, yeah, for but, me, two and one are, are flip flopped pretty much because I think that their performances were flip flopped, right? Like you said, London uh, underperformed in the regular season, and then you and then kind of overshot their overshot their expectations in the playoffs. I think that it's flip flop for them. I think they, you know, performed at their level during the during the regular season, and then kind of underperformed during the playoffs. Yes, they stumbled in stage four, where they actually ended up losing three games. God forbid. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, that was kind of an indicator of what was to come when we got into the playoffs. But that roster, the number number one power rank team was the NYXL, but that roster is just so darn good. You, you have to respect every freaking player on their team. Mono doesn't get the respect he deserves as a, a strong tank. Mecco is going to be a great companion to Mono on that tank line. Sabiobli, Pine, Libero. And then they added Flower and Nene, which is going to give them more flexibility at their DPS spots. But just that top three alone that's returning from last year on their DPS line, anybody would love to have them as their number one DPS player. Then you factor in the fact that you have Jonak, the MVP of the league, on Zenyatta. Get out of here. Like This roster is built to win a championship, should have won a championship last year, if not for a stumble at the end of the year. But my full expectation is that between New York and London, we're going to get some some 15 round fights yeah i just think i mean i just think that dps core is absolutely insane libero saviobi and pine i don't know how you can how you can read against that uh, i think there's some great new healers that are going to be important to the meta this year that that jonak's going to be able to master as well i mean yes amazing on zenyatta but i think it's gonna be interesting to see maybe come out with some moira or something like that yes um, he's going to be able to play more heroes and that's going to be fun to watch for sure yeah, you know, and and Moira is another one of those heroes that that has an impact on on damage as well as as healing. So yeah, I just don't know how you can how you can root against it, <laughs> or, or, or you can't. You know, you're looking at their matches and you're just like, can I give it to? No, no, I can't because Pine. <laughs> yeah, just no Pine. Stay behind the building, guys. Stay behind the building because Pine. 
<laughs> just don't leave spawn because pine. <laughs> All right, that brings us that that wraps up the uh, power rankings. You got us. So we'll just recap. I'm gonna recap the top ten there. We've got the Fuel Dynasty Eternal. Outlaws, Titans, Valiant, Gladiators, Fusion, Spitfire, and we've got the Excelsior winning it all. At least as of right now. I'm sure this will change after we get through Thursday night. <laughs> all right. I hope everybody enjoyed our power rankings. The next thing we're going to be getting into is that over the past weekend and into this week, Overwatch League has been running what they call the Community Countdown. At a higher level, this is really an opportunity for stage teams, broadcasting teams, and everybody to kind of get set up. It's an opportunity for the teams to feel, to get used to taking the stage, getting their settings on each of the computers set up, getting their peripherals set up. In the lack of a preseason, this was Overwatch League's attempt to kind of do a dry run (laughs) of of the league um, and what it's like. But it's also just, it's been a lot of fun. Kind of the format was put the teams you know, as they are against each other and some fun rule sets, capture the flag. Um, they had Ana 1v1s. They had like a paintball match. My favorite was Mystery Heroes, which if you're familiar with uh, Counter-Strike, um, they had gun game matches where you'd kind of spawn with a, the next gun up. And Mystery Heroes was when you died, you came back as a hero, but you couldn't pick it. It just picked for you. So that was a lot of fun. Jay will have you had an opportunity to kind of catch any of this? I did. I caught a little bit of the first two nights. Really, it was just an event for the fans. Like you said, though, it's for a dry run for the technical people, the people running the production behind the scenes. But it was for it was mostly for the fans to kind of get everybody amped up, ready to go for opening night when they're going to, I'm sure, do some sort of big hoo-ha-ha uh, to roll out that, that first match. But it was a chance for us to get a look at some of the new players, the n- new players on new teams, people coming up from contenders, stuff like that, just doing some fun stuff. You got to see some pretty cool uh gameplay functionalities from from people you don't usually see like with mystery heroes you get supports dps and tanks all on different heroes that you're not accustomed to them playing you get to see what kind of things they can do with those heroes and you realize they're just really good people and really good players all the way through they just specialize in certain roles obviously but it was it was just a lot of fun to watch the players even though you couldn't see them physically you could tell that they were just having a good time doing whatever and nobody cared they were just like, hey, let's go do this. Let's see how many things we can do. Let's see if we can do these crazy little stunts here and there. Uh, I think I was most interested, and I haven't gotten a chance to watch it, where the Ash, Ash 1v1s. Yeah. I'm really concerned how those work out because it's not like a Widow battle, even though you can still zoom and still snipe and whatnot. But what happens if somebody happens to get Bob? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do anything. You have, nothing, you have nothing to counter the Bob. Definitely. But that, uh, that community event actually is still going on tonight. Um, Washington, Vancouver started at 11.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so I'm sure they've wrapped up by now. That was a 6v6 capture the flag. And then there's going to be a, uh, a show match, a 6v6 show match tomorrow between the broadcasters, uh, both the analysts and the play-by-play guys. So that'll be fun to watch, much like it was during the All-Star event where they had those guys uh, square off against each other. You'll get to see them do that tomorrow. So do they announce themselves or do they pick players <laughs> to announce them? I think they have some extra people who can announce. They might bring in like Jake or somebody to do some of the announcing for that. I'm not really sure. I can't remember exactly what happened for the All-Star match, but there were some there was somebody announcing. I think they have more analysts slash announcers than they have spots in a six v six. So I think there's always a few people left over. Yeah, our boy Jake doing some serious announcing in the offseason. So that was that was kind of cool to see him in a different role. Definitely. But yeah, if you want like, watch- he's like the Peyton Manning of Overwatch League. You know, he's, getting his, <laughs> he's getting his broadcast set up before he even gets out, you know? Good good analogy there. <laughs> um, 
But if you want to watch that 6v6 tomorrow, it's going to be at uh, 9 p.m. Pacific or Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Overwatch has a, a link, which we will post on our Twitter so you guys can read it and find where to watch the actual 6v6 match tomorrow. I do believe it's going to be broadcast by Overwatch League, so you should be able to watch it from the homepage, though. Yeah, my biggest takeaway on this thing, um, on the whole community countdown, was as we were going through and analyzing all these teams, um, you know, I found it really hard to do the expansion teams. You know, you're watching as much Contenders League as you possibly can. I don't have all day to sit around and, and watch those matches, so you have to kind of pick some big ones and um, the ones that have the most players that you're that you're trying to analyze. But it's really easy to kind of get into this mindset that Contenders League is the minor league and Overwatch is major league. And that's probably pretty true, but it's important to remember for me that Contenders is where most of these Overwatch League guys came from. I mean, they all got a lot of them pulled out of the Contenders, the Contenders ranks. And where else would you pull from? I mean, at the time, that was that was that was the biggest place to pull players from. So, you know, it, it was it's been really easy for me to kind of write off certain expansion teams and just go, oh, these guys, you know, oh, we pulled up a minor league team and, and that's where we are. But my biggest takeaway from the community countdown, watching these guys play, watching these guys battle is that the skill gap, the skills gap between contenders and Overwatch League is not as big as I had built it up in my head um, and that these guys are going to be coming in and they're going to be skilled and they're going to be, you know, on a competitive level with the Overwatch League guys and that really Overwatch League veterans have that time on the team they have time versus the opposing teams and they have time on stage and those are the biggest advantages that they have but i'm i think in my head i'm narrowing that skills gap a bit you probably are for the short term but in the long term that's going to be the case because eventually overwatch league is going to own 90 percent of the top talent it's just the reality that's the same reason that you have the nba the mlb the nfl all the top players end up in the top league because that's where they want to end up. And there is a void of talent in the lower slash minor leagues. Yeah, definitely. I mean, over time, as, as Overwatch continues to swallow up those top players, it'll I'm, I'm sure it'll widen. But just this community countdown for this season has really kind of narrowed it up for me. Definitely. I also think, kind of like you said earlier, just the, the skill of these players just at the game itself. They've been put in a role, so they'll be playing supporter, they'll be playing tank, but... Uh, Gushway got an ash roll in a mystery heroes and he was killing it yes you get to see that these guys can do a lot more than just what they've not necessarily been pigeonholed into but what they've excelled at for so long and we know them for absolutely i could do this all day all right jay will it's time we get to look at matches yes finally things that matter i'm so stoked <laughs> oh my gosh you have no idea these games wait. count these games matter oh I'm so excited to see their intro videos. I'm so excited to see how they bring the season in. I'm just pumped. Dude, yeah, hype videos. Those are always the best. It's my favorite. I love hype videos. It's like the start of new sports seasons, the hype videos. I freaking love hype videos so much. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, we've been we've been playing it up in some of the other the other podcast episodes. Go back and check them out. But uh it's pretty easy to play this one up. We're gonna kick it all off with a grand finals rematch. Philadelphia Fusion versus London Spitfire. Absolutely. This is this is called knowing your role and sticking to it as a promoter. You said, okay, what's the one thing we can do to pique everybody's interest for the start of season two? Oh, yeah, that's right. Do it like the NFL does and let the Super Bowl team play. And nine times out of ten, they end up with a rematch of either a playoff game from last year or the actual Super Bowl itself. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to be taking London in this one. I think we got 
similar starting rosters. Philadelphia really only was able to pull off one match against London in the in the finals, uh, and that was a payload match, and they won't be playing that until Game 4. I think London's got it. I would assume London takes this rematch as well. Their roster's not anything different than it was last year. While Philadelphia's isn't all that different either, I think they'll be more competitive than they were in the Grand Finals last year. I think the moment kind of caught them off guard a little bit on that big stage in Barclays Center. So I expect them to be more competitive. I still think London takes this series, whether it's 3-2, 3-1, eh. But I do expect London to come away with the win. All right, the next one's pretty easy for me, too. We've got the New York Excelsior taking on the Boston Uprising. I'm going to take the Excelsior, hands down, <laughs> walking away. Yeah, I don't. Paul's going to make it sound easy that they're winning. This this match, I don't believe, will take very long, yeah. uh, unfortunately, because this was probably when they looked at it on paper, they said, hey, this is a good billing, not realizing that Boston did not have the same roster at all. Yeah, that Boston, or that they were going to be coming in with one DPS. Yes, or with one DPS. So for as much as we we would love this matchup to be more competitive than we're expecting, I don't foresee that happening. The Excelsior are still that good, and Boston is no longer very good. Yeah, even if Boston comes out in like a pure death ball, I just have confidence that the Excelsior DPS are going to be able to break it. Right. All right, next up, we've got the Seoul Dynasty taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators. Probably an undervalued matchup because we're or an undervalued matchup for stage one of season two. Uh, the Gladiators, I think, are going to be really good. I really, really like their roster. Seoul, we're still trying to figure out who they are, so this could be a great indicator of are they back to being the Seoul that started the season, or are we getting more of the same that we found late in the late in season one in stages three and four? I'm going to go ahead and go with the Gladiators. I'm hoping this is a 3-2 matchup, but easily see this being a 3-1 matchup in the Gladiators' favor. Yeah, I've got the Gladiators improving, and I've got Seoul taking a step or two back, so I'm going to go ahead and take the Gladiators in that one. All right, and then to cap off opening night, we've got the Shanghai Dragons searching for that first win against the Hangzhou Spark. Not going to get it, buddy. I'm sorry. The Spark roster is too deep, too talented. You think so, hot take? I do, even though I'm going to hate watching every moment of that match. Sorry, I can't root for the Pepto-Bismol. I'm taking the Shanghai Dragons. I think they finally <laughs> clear, that, that clear that demon out and they get that first win. They just had to sign Gamzu, man. Like I wanted to pick them, but then you have to incorporate a brand new tank player into the lineup. Although he's got experience, he doesn't have experience playing with the other people on his roster. I just, I'm a little worried about them for the first couple of matches until they get Gamzu up to speed. All right, kicking off the matches on my birthday, the 15th. Yes, sir. Hey, yo. And uh, for my birthday, I wish for Houston to win. This is going to be, I'm sorry, this is going to be Houston taking on the Toronto, the Toronto <laughs> Defiant. Usually helps to tell you the play the teams. Certainly does, but you're, you're excited to watch your team play. I'm so excited. I'm excited to watch Houston play with you. It's going to be going to be a fun opening match for them. Hopefully they will show some improvement and look more like the team we believe they can be. I certainly expect them to win this specific matchup, so if they will lose, it will be of great disappointment. But let's hope that doesn't happen because we got to give you a, a proper birthday send off. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Clockworks an assistant coach now. They can't put him in a match in game one of the That's match right. play uh, now. to mess it all up. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jake Rat the entire game. Let's go. Yes, let's get it. The next match is going to be the Atlanta Rain taking on the Florida Mayhem. Yeah, I can't say I'm excited to watch that matchup, but I'm still taking Atlanta. I have no faith in that Florida lineup until they prove me otherwise. 
Yeah, I don't think Florida made the changes that they need to make to conquer a lot of this stuff. I do think Atlanta is going to be one of those middle of the pack potentially fighting for it in the end expansion teams. So I'm going to take Atlanta on that one. They certainly need it if they want to fight for the playoffs. Can't afford to lose games to subpar teams. All right, coming up next, it's going to be the Dallas Fuel taking on the San Francisco Shock. Best best matchup of night two, hands down. I concur. I, <laughs> so, I don't even know what to expect out of this matchup because I really like Dallas off their momentum from last year, but I really like the San Francisco Shock lineup, especially with their DPS. I am going with the Shock to win this one, although I, I'm calling this one a map five tiebreaker. Yeah, I mean, I think both of both of us have both of these teams pegged for some improvement this year, but I'm going to go ahead and take Dallas on this one. I really thought they looked super strong. I know Mickey's absolutely disgusting on that Brigitte, and I think she's going to play a big role in these Stage 1 games. So, I will not be upset if they win. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then capping it off on Night 2 is going to be the, the Chengdu Hunters versus the Guangzhou Charge. Yeah, a subpar matchup to end the night, unfortunately, in my personal opinion. Not a lot of expectations for either team, even though if any team out of the two is going to surprise us, it should be the charge. I'm taking the charge to win this, but I don't know that this is going to be a matchup we're really going to want to watch from a technical standpoint and the quality of play. Luckily for both of these teams, this is their first matchup of their inaugural season here in Season 2, so they'll get to get their feet wet without having to I don't know, take on the NYXL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Guangzhou in this one. I've uh, kind of made my lack of faith in the Chengdu Hunters um, pretty well known. Um, also, it's 11.30 p.m., so VODs, here I come. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then night three, this is going to be Saturday, February the 16th. We're kicking it off with the Spitfire versus the Paris Eternal. This will be a good matchup to see how much Shadowburn and Soon can carry our roster. Yeah. But it's it's still London. I mean, everybody knows the roster. Everybody knows the talent. It's until till they prove that they're no longer a top team, even if they're struggling, until somebody knocks them off in a playoff, you're still picking London to win games. Yeah, certainly. I mean, London's kind of one of the harder ones. I mean, Excelsior is easier for me because you just look at it and you go Excelsior. Um, yeah, like, little... I don't even look at the matchup when I see NYXL. I just write down NYXL. Yeah. Um, Spitfire is a little harder for me because, like you said, I mean, they did underperform during the regular season last year, so people got wins off of them. Of the expansion teams, I've got Paris Eternal up there in, in the higher ranks, uh, up there with Vancouver Titans. Uh, I'm still giving it to London here, but um, I had an uneasy feeling doing it. I feel like this might be like a trap game. Trap game, maybe. I just think it's going to be a good gauge of where Paris is at. If yeah. they can be competitive, then we'll understand that they're a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, if they take this to 3 2, I'll be like, okay, that's big moves. You know. Yeah. All right, next up, we've got the Washington Justice taking on the New York Excelsior. Yeah, so like I said, with Chengdu and the the charge, you didn't have to open your season against the NYXL, <laughs> yeah. which is what the Washington Justice have to do. Yeah. This is not fair. It's not right. I feel bad for them. I hope they have a good showing, but you're taking NYXL going away. I expect to, NYXL to get out of their first two games 6-0 and in, on maps. Yeah, yeah. Um, for you, this is bottom versus top. For me, it's almost bottom versus the top. I don't know how you root against the Excelsior here. Um, other than, I mean, they have, the Justice has their coach, so maybe he knows the tricks. I'm maybe. Sure. Maybe he can pull a massive upset on night three of season two. I'll I just, be on the edge of my seat. I just don't think he has the talent on his roster to pull it off, at least not right now. I'll be eating the Edmonds out of the box. Yeah, make sure you pay for them. <laughs> 
All right, next up, I think, you know, kind of for where you have them ranked um, and where we have both of the Valiant ranked, we've got the Valiant taking on the Spark. I think this could be a game. This is going to be a phenomenal game on night three. This will be the one I want to see the most on night three for sure. Is this kind of your gauge of the Spark? Like, you know, if they come in and throw a pooper up against the Valiant, is that it's you got the Spark wrong? I won't say wrong. I will certainly drop them out of my own personal rankings (laughs) to a, a reasonable spot. But this is going to be the gauge. Like I said, the Valiant, in my opinion, didn't make their roster better. They didn't get worse. They just didn't improve it. This Spark roster is for real. They're flexible. They can play. And they have Gooshway. All right. I'm getting you a Gooshway jersey. Oh, God. Please no. I'm doing it in in home colors. All right. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) But yes, I I personally think this is where you're going to know whether the Spark team is for real or not especially in stage one. So I'm actually taking the spark to knock off the Valiant. Uh, I just, I really like their roster a lot. Okay. I don't have as much faith in, in the Hangzhou spark as you do. I'm taking the Valiant. Um, I think it takes time for these teams to come together and figure out what it's like to play on the stage. So it's certainly in stage one. I think I'm going to be taking the Valiant. And that's fair. But let's, let's say this. If, if you are wrong on the spark, you're going to go Oh, and two in matchups they're playing in. I'm just saying, so what, 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 what's a good punishment for going 0-2 against the Pepto-Bismol team? I'll, I don't know. I'll drink some Pepto-Bismol. We're going to have to think of something for that. <laughs> like every time you bet against them and get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> something. I just can't, can't give it the pink. No. It's, just, it's offensive. <laughs> it's the shade. It has nothing to do with the actual color pink. I'm fine with pink. I have pink shirts. Right. I'm, and I'm I don't even know. It. It's just shirts, the shade of it is just it. this offensive pink. It really, that's that's the problem. It's that specific shade of pink is just not okay. What is the most awful pink we could find? And then they, they picked that on the RGB scale. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. I'm going to get so much Twitter feedback about, you guys hate pink. And- yeah, we are. We're going to get slaughtered. Slaughtered. All right. Uh, we got to start wrapping this up. So we got uh, to cap out the third night there. We've got Vancouver Titans taking on the Shanghai Dragons. Don't think this is really a matchup. That runaway roster, which is now the Vancouver Titans, is good. Yep, I've got the I've got the Titans taking it. Um, I like Shanghai Dragons to get a win in Stage One and clear that demon out, but this is not it. Sadly, I they're gonna have to get out of the first week before they can really start thinking about win number one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then on Sunday, February the seventeenth, closing closing day of opening week, we're gonna be seeing the Outlaws take on the Boston Uprising. Yeah, another matchup that if Houston loses, you're just going to scratch your head and throw your hands up and pray for a better showing in week two. They should not lose to Boston. Yeah, actually, I was kind of looking this up a little bit. Outlaws seemed to have Boston's number last year. Um, Had a couple of really good wins even when Boston was rolling. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the Outlaws in this one. Yeah, how much does that matter when the roster's not the same? Yeah, the roster's all different, but (laughs) you never know. Never know. All we had to go on is last year. Definitely. All right, so next up, we've got the Philadelphia Fusion taking on the Atlanta Reign. Another good benchmark for Atlanta, especially early in Stage 1. Obviously, they're going to open up against Florida, but getting to play a good Philly team in in their second matchup is going to be a good gauge for where that roster truly, truly is. I don't foresee them winning this matchup. I've got Philly taking it. I really think Philly's going to take a step forward to consistency this year. Yeah, I've got Philly too. Um, like you said, they snuck into the playoffs kind of with a middling middling record. I think it's going to be a little bit different this year. I think they're going to have some consistent wins, some consistent success, and I think this is going to be part of it. And then up next, we've got the Gladiators taking on the San Francisco Shock. Best matchup of 
night four of week one. I, I still really like the San Francisco Shock roster. I can't say it enough, but that Gladiators roster, ooh, watch out. I I have high expectations of them. Obviously, I'm picking them to win this game, even though I had hesitation because I like that San Francisco team. I think this is going to be a 3-2 matchup, but I do believe the Gladiators will take this one. Yeah, I'm going to take the Gladiators on this one as well, pretty much for all the same reasons. Although, I don't think this is the best matchup of the night. I think the next one is Seoul Dynasty <laughs> taking on Dallas. I, only reason I don't think this is the best matchup is because we're still unsure about who Seoul is. And for as good as Dallas was in Stage 4 of last year, we still don't quite know who Dallas is overall because they had so much turnover and turmoil through Season 1. But I do believe this will be another good matchup to end Week 1. I think the last two matchups on Sunday are going to be fun to watch and two that I certainly want to watch. Yeah, I think second half Soul Dynasty is who they were, and I think second half Fuel is who they are. Um, I think you get rid of all the XQC drama and you actually have a legitimate team put on the, put on the table. Um, I think they're going to be able to take down Soul. I, I'm taking Dallas too. I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be not quite the electric show we got in, what was it, day one of season one last year? Is that when they played, if I remember correctly? Maybe. I think it was that epic matchup between Seoul and Dallas. I'm almost sure it was night oh, one. It was, it was night one. Yep. Yeah. Right. So I, I won't quite be that epic slugfest that we got, which was so much fun to watch, but it will be a quality matchup that's worth watching. Nerf this. That's right. Sometimes these players just seem like they need to be nerfed. <laughs> and uh, that's what we're going to talk about here is some, some plays from, by these guys that are just absolutely ridiculous or illustrate a point or change the season for a team. Um, and I've got a pretty good one. This is the last one in the set. Uh, I chose this one because I like to highlight everybody. Um, obviously the DPS gets a lot of love, a lot of headshots. Um, my play last week was pine, absolutely taking apart the Los Angeles gladiators, but I chose this one because this is, um, a mercy play. So this is a support play Neptuno on the fusion. Um, and he ends up getting a three kill, two res against Houston Houston on Lijiang Tower. Let us in this fight, the Riptile, where we headed with it. Jake doesn't quite know. He's looking for a softer target, but he actually finds very little. Neptuno gets the kill on Jake while he was channeling that ability. The Caduceus Blaster paying off quite well. And now over the point, it's a bit of a do-si-do. It's the Houston Outlaws, though, that come out in front for now. Going to be the Valkyrie Use Leaks. is going to be very careful. Neptuno gets another kill in that fight. The man the Battle Mercy. What is going on, Neptuno? Yeah, so that was absolutely crazy. Um, he ends up rezzing Carpe and then in Valkyrie mode, taking out Jake, rezzing Boombox, his other support, killing Rockus, and then killing Lynxer, who's no no slouch at the DPS position himself. So with Overwatch, there's plays occurring all over the place. It's happening so fast. In fact, actually for half of this play, the cast wasn't even on Neptuno until the kill feed started filling up with his name. I wanted to highlight, you know, hey, support players are going crazy. You're going to see some amazing tank play. Um, you're going to see some sh some earth shatters that just blow your mind. Um, Brian actually highlighted a, a Zarya 5k um, Graviton Surge. So it's not just the DPS that are killing it. No, certainly not just the DPS. And can I just say that it'd be, it'd be nice to see a few more Battle Mercies in the league this year? I'm just saying <laughs> that out there. Like, why can't more people do it like Neptuno here? Yeah, I don't know. I, th I think we're going to see... I think, personally, we're going to see some serious battle Moiras. I've been playing some Moira. Um, you run out of that heal juice pretty quick, and your only option is to get involved in the action. So, 
Absolutely. Shoot, I hardly ever heal when I play Moira. I just run the damage anyway and throw out the healing orbs if I want to do healing. Right. So I, I we'll see plenty of Moira in the new meta, I'm sure. So it'll be fun to watch and see how the support players actually decide to to play player. All right, so since you just went random all over the place, I had to keep some sort of order to this situation. <laughs> I went backwards from five to one. This is my top play from season one. And wouldn't you know it, it's from the grand finals. It is from the last map, the last round, the last play. It's Profit at Vizcaya Industries taking down five members of the Philadelphia Fusion to seal the grand championship for the London Spitfire. The answer to their problem is Tuno's down again. That heralds disaster generally for the Fusion, and Carpe wasn't far behind. Profit with three! He's killed four players now on his own! It's gonna... The call says it all. It still gives me chills. It's a, it's a 5K. He's going nuts. The crowd's going nuts at Barclay. The announcers sound like they're about to fall out of their seats. It's a phenomenal play watching him run around, dashing everywhere, throwing out his pulse bomb. He just does it all for that team and says, hey, guys, get on my back. We're going to go grab this trophy now. See you later. Yeah, I don't know how you can have any more of kind of a walking off into the sunset moment than that. You know, just a complete and total ceiling of the deal by one, one one player who had been playing strong the entire year probably underrated a little bit as the, as the tracer player i think but just absolutely disgusting and then to have that happen and then all of a sudden confetti starts raining out and, and you've won the grand finals of the inaugural season of the overwatch league does it get any better as a player no nah, man that's you can't write stories like that to be perfectly honest the dude was phenomenal for the through the whole grand finals I mean, he has another play earlier on Volskaya in the earlier rounds, or earlier that round, excuse me, where he's playing, uh, I can't even remember his name, Hanzo. Jeez, I'm going dumb over here. But he's playing Hanzo, and he's going crazy throwing arrows while trying to cap the point. I mean, the guy was just phenomenal, that entire map. He, for all intents and purposes, was the reason they sealed the deal and didn't need a map five. All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this episode. The next time we talk with all of you guys, there will have been real and genuine Overwatch League matches played. Games that matter. Games that matter. That's right. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be kind of getting into in-season mode. Our episodes are going to be still once a week. And what we're going to do is just try and do our best to recap the week that happened and give you the best possible preview that we can of the week that's coming up. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to analyzing actual gameplay, breaking down why things worked, why things didn't, what made this situation the right call, stuff like that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I just want the games to freaking start. That's right. That way we can break it down. Hit us up on social media, follow us, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll catch you next week. See ya.